The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Pac-12 South time. We've got the Pac-12 North uh, in the feed. Go and check it out. Reminder, you can get this in audio form, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. In the video form, youtube.com slash cover three or the CBS Sports app on OTT devices. That's right. You got your Apple TV, you got your Roku, other OTT devices. Get the CBS Sports app and within that you can find full video episodes of the Cover 3 podcast, including that Pac-12 North episode that we were posted yesterday. Now we turn our attention to the Pac-12 South. And the in the same way that we had, you know, just sort of like the Pac-12 North sort of feels like an Oregon discussion with the college football playoff. Uh, the Pac-12 South, I feel like the, the one discussion that really stands out to me is all about the USC head coach. And I want to see where y'all are at on Clay Helton and the many factors at play regarding the Trojan season and the future of the football program. Because, you know, if like, is there a win total? And by the way, our win total for USC, uh, we will be breaking it down in a second, is set at four and a half. No, is there a win total or a record or an achievement that is a minimum benchmark for you to think that Clay Helton is going to be USC's head coach in 2021? Like the... To put him on the hot seat right away, I'm not ready to do that because I think we got to see how this team performs. But there's a lot of things going in this team's favor to at least be the best in the division. And so uh, I kind of think that that's getting being in the Pac-12 championship hunt certainly seems to be a minimum requirement. Where are y'all at with Clay Helton and the heat on his seat? It's weird because... I we've talked about it so many times. It's like, I, I don't know what this 2020 season is going to do to the coaching market. And I think that if we look specifically in the pack 12, where the season was postponed and then people weren't allowed to practice for a while, even after the postponed, and then they, you know, kicked the season back up and they still weren't all allowed to practice right away because of like wildfires and stuff in California and people just not being home that, 
I don't know if USC is going to sit there and go into the season really prepared to hold anything against Clay Helton if things don't go, you know, to plan. If if they struggle and they go three and three or four and two and they don't win the division, I don't know if that's going to be held against him. That said, it's you know, if they get like an inkling that a top name coach is interested in the job, maybe at that point they do pull the trigger on it if something if if they don't win the conference or get to the playoff or whatever the pie in the sky kind of scenario is for the Trojans this year. So I don't know that it really exists. There's way too many variables in 2020. Yeah, like I think that three and three fireable. would be yeah, probably fireable. Probably just, uh, this isn't going to work. Um, five and one is probably, yeah, he's, uh, he probably comes back at five and one. Cause I, I guess at five and one, he's probably the division champ. Mm-hmm. Though, though not necessarily guaranteed. Uh, I think at four and two, it's just more of like treading water, treading the waters of uncertainty. Like just, all right, you're four and two. We still don't have faith in you. We still don't have confidence in you, but we don't know if we can really fire you. So I don't know. I think that's those are the benchmarks to keep an eye on. And then obviously if he goes six and oh, I mean, this is like what a year. He could he he skips Notre Dame and, and Alabama Alabama. And if he just manages to get to six and oh, which is is still undefeated, but it is not that many games, then somehow that could be some sort of a referendum on on him as a coach which is so i this is a great situation and a great opportunity for clay helton um we'll see if he takes advantage of it all right y'all ready to count him up let's do it as much as i think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play like i can't even count him up count him up how many kids are gonna win this fall i can't fathom who wins how many kids are gonna win this fall I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. The USC Trojans begin our uh, begin our conversation, and they begin this weekend. Breakfast ball, baby. Noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. It is also... One of the games that has been selected for the college pick'em this week, and uh, we've been telling you about it all week, the college pick'em. You can go to cbssports.com slash college. The contest is open every single Tuesday. It runs through noon on Saturday. The best college football games against the spread. You make your against the spread selections. You turn in your entry. You are in the running to win one of the any. You are in the running to win some of the thousand dollars that are going to be given away every single week. Arizona State at USC is on there. The spread on the card is at ten and a half. It's a big number for USC at nine a.m. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just some is again cbssports.com slash college you we will also be talking about this on the locks podcast and the contest is open until noon on saturday give it we give away one thousand dollars guaranteed every single week it costs you nothing the biggest games against the spread college football about 10 to 15 of them every single week always the saturday games cbssports.com slash college for the college pick them okay Four and a half for USC. Uh, They have, from the north, Washington State. That game is going to be at home. 
They get uh, Arizona State at home this weekend, Colorado, and then on the road in division play, they play at Arizona, at UCLA, and at Utah. Barton, how are we feeling? Great, Graham Harrell, you know, staying on board. It was a hot minute there where it looked like Graham Harrell was was maybe going to be uh, Tom Herman's new offensive coordinator. He decides to stick around. That's good news for Keaton Slovis. Very talented uh, group of wide receivers. A defensive line that's new defensive line coach, right? New defensive uh, well, coordinator. New defensive coordinator. Is there a new D-line coach? I'm not sure. Um, but defensive line, very, very talented. I don't know, man. Just don't don't let me all of a sudden spill all my positivity out here, especially if you're about to come in with an under. But chip uh, positive about the Trojans. I'm just I'm just just trying to set this up. Where are you going with USC? So the number's four and a half, and um, I think that's probably a generous line. I think I mean you can play. All right, let me start here. Let me just start here. So. If there is a national college football playoffs contender out of the Pac-12, all right, I just tell you guys, I, I, I've, I've looked in the crystal ball, I've looked in Biff's almanac, and the Pac-12 has a college football playoff team in the year 2020, okay? Um, you, you're, the guns to your head, your life depends on this. Who is your pick? Uh, that is that will be the, the Pac-12 uh, representative. USC, you need quarterback play to win championships. USC's got it. Right. Tom, do you disagree with that? Nope. Okay. So I I look, this is this is this is this is starting so much like the 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 sirens of USC, the sedu- like the annual seduction of the like by the Trojans. And I admit I'm getting seduced a little bit here. Um, I want to be clear. I'm not predicting that they do make the playoffs, but it's very clear to me that this team has the ingredients in a way that I don't think any other team in the Pac-12 does. Um, they do have a quarterback in Keaton Slovis, who is one, potentially one of the very best quarterbacks in all of college football. He was certainly one of the best true freshmen in all of college football last year and had a season very much on par with what Trevor Lawrence did as a freshman, just in terms of like his effectiveness when he's in uh, under center. Um, they have one of the top wide receiver groups in all of college football. I don't think that that's a matter of opinion. I think that's a fact. Now, whether it's where in the pecking order you put it, I don't know, but it's amongst the, like the very elite. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, Drake London, uh, Tyler Vaughn's, They've got like Brew McCoy. Sounds like he may actually be healthy enough to play this year. The the the, the guy that was a five star coming out of high school has had some health issues. Gary Bryant Jr. is a newcomer that's a good player. Uh, they've they have absolute dudes. We have talked extensively on this pod about how important wide receiver is in today's college football. And Graham Harrell is their offensive coordinator, and he can you know he can um, activate those guys. So there's that. Uh, I also look at USC from a talent perspective. They had the 64th best recruiting class in the country in 2020. That's not good, but they're still 10th in in the 24-7 sports team talent composite index, which basically, again, to reiterate, is a is basically an index of sort of your the players on your roster and what they're ranked as recruits. 
which I think is, is representative of them still having a lot of talented players, but they're not young guys that aren't going to even see the field. They are veterans. So defensively, I think they've got a guy in Drake Jackson that's one of the best guys in the country as far as just a defensive playmaker. I think they've got a secondary, again, another spot that's critical if you're going to have success in today's brand of college football that has players, Elijah Griffin, um, Isaac Taylor Stewart, um, and Chris Steele. Like, these guys are good. And then Talano Hufunga, if, when he's healthy, I think is one of the best safeties in college football. The linebacker group is, it has had issues, but there's players there, and Todd Orlando has got a pretty good track record of getting linebackers to play good football. So that's a lot of optimism. That's a lot of good news. It's still Clay Helton. This is still a team that's burned us all before like we've taken our turns stepping up and getting smacked by by usc i you know i don't have to pick anything ridiculous here to still play the over four and a half you know five and one is 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 very much within the realm of like not not just possibility but expectation like they should be five and one if they're not five and one then that's that's a bad deal right there and so i'm gonna go over um, and I think that this, I'm, I'm opt, very optimistic about this USC team. I'm not going to make any grand predictions. I'm not going to put them in the playoffs, but this team should be good. And if they're not, it's, it is legitimately time to make a move at the head coach spot. You, you asked the question about which team I would pick from the PAC 12 to, you know, be in the playoff this year. And Chip said, you know, USC, and he pointed to the quarterback play, which is also a very good reason. There's another reason that. I think should be brought up and, you know, cause the PAC 12 especially has done a lot of dumb, stupid things with dumb, stupid ideas like scheduling, you know, USC to play on the road Friday nights after, you know, it's just won a big game and it, you know, it gets or like up 10 straight weeks where it's bye week is after the regular season is done. Yeah. Well that us that's USC more than the PAC 12, but yeah. And so I want to give it credit when it does something smart. And have you looked at USC schedule? Yes. Because the Pac-12 is doing everything in its power to make sure that USC has a good season. So if at the very least, it could try to ensure that it gets USC and Oregon in its championship game. It is doing everything it can to get its two best teams to collide at the end of the year to maybe get one of them into the playoff. Because you mentioned from the North, they draw Washington State, which, as we went over in the North show, I'm not sure is going to win a game. And they get him at home. I, I think that they probably should have put it on the road, but whatever. But Arizona State is its toughest game. It's the first game of the season. But after that, Arizona, nobody really has high hopes for. And I don't want to spoil anything. Utah has a ton to replace. Colorado is Colorado. UCLA is UCLA. This is a team that should go 5-1 and one at an absolute minimum. For all the reasons Barton mentioned with the talent and Chip, you mentioned the quarterback. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Slovis head, which sounds like the name of a jam band where Barton and I want to go beat up their fans. <laughs> but you take the talent, you take the quarterback, you take the scheme that they installed on offense that they're getting now into year two, and you look at that schedule. And like I said at the top, I don't know what the situation is as far as Clay Helton's job status, but when I look at everything with this team, if they do anything lower than five and one, I feel like it was a failure of a season because just the way everything's packed up and the way everything sets up, this should be a very good year for USC. And good Lord, gentlemen, I, I don't know where you're going, Chip, but I, I think we're doing this to ourselves, aren't we? Uh-huh. 
Oh yeah, the Slovis heads are out. <laughs> Is that our jam band? That's our jam band drop. Uh, I mean, it's a quick, quick scramble for <laughs> some music. Who knows where it came from? It's less than fifteen seconds. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a hundred percent. We're going over. I don't know why this isn't set at five and a half. I mean, this 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 it's way off. USC's going six and zero with this schedule, and it's going to start with the breakfast ball win. And then if they can take care of business at Utah, absolutely. I got four wins, no losses, two toss-ups. USC clears the over. And listen, Mike Bone, uh, Bon or Bone? Bone. Bone, yeah. He really wants Clay Helton to succeed here, right? Because remember, he showed up sort of in the middle of all this as a new athletic director. You know, the Clay Helton hot seat, Keep stirring, keep stirring, keep stirring. I think that uh, I think USC as a school would very much like to see USC in the Pac-12 championship game, just to know that they can keep things moving along. So I I'm I'm right there uh, with y'all. I think that uh, this is one of the best offenses in the entire country, and the schedule is favorable. I, I I'm I'm seeing six and zero, oh, smelling six and zero. Oh. It's coming. I feel it in my bones. USC goes over. Count them up! Also, with a four and a half win total, the opponents for the USC Trojans this Saturday for breakfast ball in the Pac-12, Arizona State. We got Jaden Daniels back. Uh, that stat, uh, coaching staff under Herm Edwards, which has done a really good job uh, recruiting, done a really good job with player development and evaluation. Uh, they continue to build that program out. The cross-division draw for Arizona State is getting Cal, though that game is at home. The home games in division, you get UCLA and Utah. Then on the road, they go to USC this Saturday, followed by road games at Colorado and at Arizona. Jane Daniels uh, occasionally just has to put everything on his back. Luckily, he is the kind of difference maker at the quarterback position who can deliver when you just need to put the entire offense on his back. They lost some of the the key pieces at the wide receiver position from a year ago. Tom, uh, how are you feeling about Arizona State? And at four and a half, do do you consider them? Uh, you know, even within the context of you know. This game obviously is a huge part of the discussion, but is this the second best team in the South? Is this the team that you would pick if you're not going to pick USC? Where do the Sun Devils fit into the Pac-12 picture? I do think they're the second best team in the division, and I do think that if USC doesn't win the division, it will be Arizona State winning it, which is why I think Saturday morning's game is incredibly important for both teams and why I also think, you know, I gave the Pac-12 a compliment. I also think it's incredibly dumb that the very first Pac-12 game of the year that they're going to play at 9 a.m. local might be one of the most important teams or games that they play in their short regular season. But I digress. When I when I look at this Arizona State team, we're, we're all Jane Daniels fans. We all like what they've done. And when I look at the South as a whole, I just feel like this is a team that is in one of the best positions to really compete with USC right now. Now, now that said, I'm going over, but I'm not of the highest confidence in the play because I do, I do have concerns about this Arizona state team. I think defensively, we know they're going to be fine. They were really good last year. They were good the year before. I think Herm Edwards teams are going to be sound defensively, no matter what you do. And I think they have talent on the defensive side. 
I do worry about the offense because even with Jaden Daniels last year and even with Brandon Ayuk, this is still an offense that only scored 1.91 points per possession, which ranked 10th in the conference, which was ahead of only Cal and Stanford. And they really struggled in the red zone, and that was part of it. So I can't not sit there and acknowledge those concerns because there is a chance that this team just won't score enough points to win consistently and get to five wins or get to six wins, which is one of the reasons why I have USC winning the division over the Sun Devils. So I'm taking the over. It's not highly confident. It's more of a it's more of a gesture or an expression of how I feel about Jaden Daniels than anything. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting when you look at Arizona state's depth chart. <clears throat> so you got Jaden Daniels in there. The running back room is entirely new. They've got a, a grad transfer. Who's a co-starter with uh, a kid named DeMonte Trianum. Um, they've, Daniel Ngata and DJ Taylor, the other two, the true freshmen. Um, they've got Johnny Wilson, who is uh, a true freshman starter at receiver. Um, who's what was the? Oh, why am I blanking on his name? Who was the um, the big wide receiver from Colin Johnson? He's Colin Johnson. If if you've seen Texas and seen Colin Johnson, just big bodied guy on the outside, that's Johnny Wilson. LV Bunkley Shelton, another true freshman, that's a co-starter at wide receiver. Um, a lot of youth at the the um, offensive skill positions. Uh, some newcomers at uh, offensive line as well. Two grad transfers are 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 on the are starters on the depth chart. Um, I just think that's a lot. They did have seven spring practices, which is not insignificant, but I do think that's a lot of new faces that they've got to get comfortable in this system pretty quick. And so if USC was a game at the end of the year, maybe I'd like it a little bit better, but I think this is a four and two team, a good team. They get a couple losses along the way. They're competitive. Uh, I like Arizona state. I like the direction they're in. I don't have confidence in them going five to one or six and oh. So I've got this as a, like for all my Cal love, remember when uh, I was in the previous podcast, I was, we were all on the under, but I was more of the Barton positive under than the Tom not positive under. This might go two and two. It's because I kind of like Arizona State to take down Cal in that game uh, in Tempe. I think it's a it's a good team, and it's a, a game that's going to be low scoring, and that's where we've seen Arizona State be able to close the gap with just some better execution in fourth quarter play thanks to their quarterback, Jaden Daniels. But I do have this one going under. I've got no certain losses on the schedule, but also only three certain wins. I've got that being Colorado and UCLA at home and then at Arizona. Then for toss-ups, I've got at USC, Cal, and Utah. So a really, really good number here set by the Edgewater, uh, but I'm going to be going an under on my final ruling. And like I just think that any game that's close with Arizona involved, Jane Daniels makes it a like – Go flip over and and go watch it because he's uh, he's done it enough already in his career that it uh, it's it's worth uh, putting on your scoreboard or at least on one of your screens for streams. How many games are gonna win this fall? Another four and a half. This one set for Utah. 
Man, a lot to replace for the Utes, but they have been recruiting some players that uh, can come in and be instant impact contributors, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There is a certain program standard that we have for Kyle Whittingham in terms of the way they want to go about and take care of business, but they hit a gear offensively last year. They were thumping teams. I don't think they can do that with Jake Bentley. I don't think that we're going to see uh, the same kind of uh, production where they're putting they're winning games like forty to fourteen and f- putting up forty fives on the board. This might be a year where they have to slip back into a Utah like twenty three to thirteen win or twenty eight to twelve. I don't know where I got twelve, but sounded uh, fun. It sounds like a Utah game. All, yeah. yeah, all they did was they they allowed you to kick four field goals. That's how you get to twelve. No touchdowns. Uh, the schedule. They draw Oregon State from the Pac-12 North. That game is also at home, so a favorable draw in the cross division. Uh, They get USC at home, Arizona at home as well. They go on the road to play Arizona State, UCLA, and Colorado. Four and a half, Utah, I guess. Who's up? Either one? I'll take it. Yeah. All right, so... I think the Utah is first of all like it's it's they're they're losing so much in the secondary in particular. Um, you know they've got I think one start returning on the roster. They've got their depth. They released the depth chart and they literally have a true freshman starting at cornerback, not a not a co-starter, but just a starter and at safety. Now both those guys are studs. Clark Phillips was like a top fifty prospect that they beat Ohio State on. Um, Nate Ritchie, the safety, is an in-state kid that is, I think it was a really good get. And and so those guys are going to be really good players. But they're still true freshmen um, starting right out of the gate. And they're still replacing what was just a loaded secondary last year. Um, offensively, this is a – this like the identity doesn't really change that much. It's still – the offense line is still good. You guys remember Brent Keithy, the tight end. He's back. He's really good. Um, Britton Covey, this little – Small jitterbug slot guy. He's back and good. Brian Thompson and Solomon Enos, good at the receiver position. They're they're the running backs are they like they're not Zach Moss, but they're still able to sort of assert that physical style that Utah likes. And I think Andy Love was a really good offensive coordinator. So there's I think this is still the same team, but that was that was that was that was supposed to be like a really good version of Utah, and they they did end up coming up a little bit short. And I think that there's so much that they lost, whether it's Huntley, Moss, the guys in the secondary. Like those were big names that they lost. I, I'm not sure this is the year where where I really like trust them to have cultivated the you know the the guys that are going to step forward and be ready. Um, you know, they had some on some, some sort of weird off field stuff with, uh, Morgan Scally, their D coordinator getting accused or not getting accused, but being, um, you know, having some racist text messages emerge. Like, I, I don't know, just there's enough things that are just sort of off with this roster this year that I don't feel confident in, in picking them to be an overplay. I'm on the under here lost too much to me. And I, I and we don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be. I, like Cameron Rising apparently was a pretty was having a pretty good camp. Um, they've listed three guys as co-starters, so I just think 
too much unknown. I'm I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not buying on Utah this year. Yeah, I'm. I mean, you mentioned how much they lost. If if we go back to Connolly's returning production rankings from way back in the long, long ago, they are 130th of 130 teams as far as returning production, and a lot of that is on both sides. Like offensively, they're 105th. Defensively, they're dead last at 130th. And I feel like. Utah has made its identity, you know, defense and special teams. And like you mentioned, Chip, last year the offense was spectacular, but that's I don't know if that's the the expectation going forward or not. So I, I, I have questions there. And then going back to that offense, I have been on the Jake Bentley train before. <laughs> we derailed. We went off the side of a bridge, down a mountain into a, a rocky lake and I did not enjoy that ride. So I'm really having a difficult time buying into Jake Bentley replacing Huntley and that offense just cruising right back at altitude like it had been. So I still think this is a team that could possibly get to four and two just because of the schedule. Like I don't think that their schedule is overly difficult, but I don't see five and one at six and zero oh as being even remotely possible for the youth. So I'm going to stay under over. Wow. This is this is a dangerous, dangerous spot for USC. I feel like that's the game that could take us to overtown because I've got Arizona as a win, at UCLA as a win, Oregon State at home as a win, and at Colorado as a win. No certain losses, toss-ups against USC and at Arizona State. I there is a, there is a little bit of confidence that the offense doesn't Tyler Huntley was awesome, but I also think that Utah can be doing that thing that we've seen some of the best coaches in college football do, which is you have an identity about playing this rock-solid defense and winning games that are low-scoring, but you realize that when you're able to turn it into a complementary style of football, then you, you can get out there and you can really put a hurting on teams. And it was really disappointing the way that that team fell short first in the Pac-12 championship game and then in the bowl game. But I think the strides that it made uh, as a program throughout last year, that's enough to raise the floor such that this can be a five and one season. I don't think six and oh is uh, my, my record I'm going with, but I am going to be going with, uh, with five and one for Utah. So I'm going to be going with over. How many games are going to win this fall? Coming up on the other side, we round out the Pac-12 South with Chip Kelly's UCLA, new head coach at Colorado, and Kevin Sumlin. Long, uh, long season ahead for Arizona. Next. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. 
So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Let's start with UCLA. Uh, Chip Kelly's Bruins win total set at two and a half. It feels like a team that is going to give us one really good game. That's going to be just this, just this awful high that we're going to chase for the rest of the season and never be able to get again. I almost want to think that it's going to be out the gate, but I'm, I don't, I'm not that confident in it. Uh, Win total set at two and a half. The cross division draw is at Oregon. Yikes. Uh, the home games in division are Arizona, Utah, and USC. The road games in division are Colorado and Arizona State. Tom, how are you breaking down UCLA? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, this was just a Jekyll and Hyde team last year. If you think of it, they started off 0 and 3, and they, you know, they lost to Cincinnati, which seemed bad at the time. But I guess as the year went along, and as we're seeing this year, maybe that loss really wasn't as, you know, unlikely as you, you thought then. They lost to San Diego State, which went on to have a solid season in the Mountain West. They got killed by Oklahoma, which, duh. And then there was that amazing win against Washington State that we watched while recording a reaction pod, which I was vindicated in my lock after Barton incorrectly told me I was a fool, but then they go and lose to Arizona and Oregon state. And you're writing them back off. Cause they're one and five. And then they win three in a row against Stanford, Arizona state and Colorado. And then they lose three in a row to finish the season, getting pasted by Utah, getting pasted by USC and then losing the closest game to California. So what team shows up? What condition are they in? Are they about to mutiny against chip Kelly? Is Chip Kelly kind of got much, enough of his guys in there now to where, you know, the locker room is quieted down and everybody's on board? I have no idea what is going to happen with this team. So when I look at the schedule, though, they can win against Colorado. I even think they could beat Utah. I think they could beat Arizona. I don't think they're going to get three wins more than they get two, though. So I'm leaning under, but again, I have no idea i'm strong under i mean if you yeah yeah, no this is a strong under for sure like i like two and four i mean this is just the the weaker program in los angeles by miles by miles (laughs) uh i i think arizona at home is a win uh i think that at colorado for carl durrell is probably like that is the Super Bowl game for the Buffs where 
you're just like, all right, it's going to be not many winnable games on this schedule. Uh, so I've got that as a toss up and I've got certain losses, uh, again, just my prediction against Utah, Oregon, Arizona state and USC. So if Arizona and Colorado are the only games I'm giving you a chance for, then yeah, two and four with one and five being very much in the possibility. And if we are going to put UCLA on like the players might mutiny, then this might be like a, a, a bottom out opt out wave, you know, kind of situation. I I don't want to play with that. So three and three, 500, no way under. So we've, we've like talked about, we've talked about USC as like the siren song, right? Like you're like, I'm Odysseus and you got to tie me to the mast because this beautiful voice of USC with all these five stars are calling me and I just can't stay away. I crash into the rocks every time, but damn it, it's beautiful. And it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful light that just sucks me in. If, if USC is the siren song, then like UCLA is like the candy drawer after Halloween. (laughs) Just, you know, I just feel kind of crummy. Like I just haven't worked out all week. You know, I just ate like a frozen meal for lunch and I just can't stay away from the candy drawer (laughs) where I want to just go grab a handful of like Reese's and Skittles and nerds. And, and like, I'm, I'm going to feel bad afterwards and it's it's not, I'm not gonna be glad I did it. not gonna be satisfied, but I can't not do it. And that's the way I feel right now is I'm, I'm going to do this again, go back to the candy drawer and I'm gonna play the over. I've done it. I've done it before under Chip Kelly here at UCLA. And I guess I'm just going to keep on hanging on, hoping that this, that this falls right for once. The reason I'm on the over is because the offense, I feel like, has no excuse not to be good. They've got – they're all his guys now. Dorian Thompson-Robinson's been in the system now for, what, three years? Mm-hmm. Demetric Felton is a legit back. The wide receivers, you know, Kyle Phillips and Chase Coda, like those guys are good. Um, the, Sean Ryan, who was a starting left tackle last year, is a true freshman who's a fantastic talent, but he was a true freshman last year. Okay, well, now that guy's a, a, a sophomore. Duke Clemens, kind of the same deal at guard. Alec Anderson at right tackle. Like that guy's got some ability. They've got players on the line of scrimmage. Have they developed them? Are they ready to roll? There's no excuse for them not to be. I'm a little less confident on the defense just in terms of the personnel. I don't really, I I don't love that group. I don't have a lot of confidence in the defensive coordinator. Um, So I'm going to play the over here, but here's the other reason why I'm not super confident in that play and why I'm not enjoying my waddle over the candy drawer is because UCLA, I don't even think was in the building all summer. And, and, and much of the fall, like this is a program that, and I, I didn't get, I didn't hear, it seems like USC was different. I don't know why that would have been the case. seems like USC has been around football a little bit more. The staff's been around the building a little bit more. I think UCLA was very much like, like, you know, weren't, weren't allowed in the building. I don't know if there's US university protocol or what, but I, I I'm, I'm a little worried about them being a little further behind the eight ball than some of the others. From, for, for some of the COVID reasons. But here I am. I'm going to stuff my face with some of this UCLA candy. 
Well, it's really funny that you would talk about uh, eating candy as, uh, you know, your descriptor for the feeling of coming back to UCLA, considering the program spent $5.4 million on non-travel right. meals. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> considering Chip Kelly has gone so galaxy brain with the nutritional health uh, approach that UCLA as a university is just hemorrhaging money to get these travel. I mean, maybe they weren't allowed back in because it was just a chance to save some dough. Right. Like, it's just like, we can't afford to feed these guys anymore. Somebody looked at the bottom line and was just like, Hey, can we just convince Chip that they got to be home for a little longer? This, this whole segment on UCLA though, I feel like to me just strengthens the way I feel about it because Chip is confident on the under Barton's taking the over. I'm taking the under, but like I said, I have no idea because I think that there's enough variance in like if things go well, this is a team that might surprise in a year where maybe teams in the South, some of them are taking a step back. But again, like you mentioned, Chip, there could be a damn mutiny in the locker room. Who knows? So because uh, because UCLA's players couldn't get those $5.4 million in non-travel meals, they're forced to eat Halloween candy to get ready for the game. Cramp <laughs> City coming up for the Bruins. Calling it now. How many games are going to win this fall? Turning our attention now, let's do Colorado. Colorado, Carl Durrell hired late in the cycle. Mel Tucker leaves after just one season. They go five and seven in that one season. And uh, and to bring in Carl Durrell, it seems like very much a hire to try and steady the ship. Expectations, very tough considering it's been a more than a minute since we last saw him as uh, the head coach at UCLA. And, you know, in that time, as he's as been an assistant, uh, you, you understand that he's going to be coming back with probably a little bit of a learning curve. How much of that learning curve was able to be handled during a pandemic? I, I don't know there. Uh, on the schedule, cross division, they draw Stanford on the road, um, and then in division, the home games are UCLA, Arizona State, and Utah. In division, road games at Arizona, at USC. Barton, I look at the personnel for this Colorado uh, Buffs team, and I I don't see a lot of familiarity. It is not a, a roster. Even we'll see, like the the class that one class that Mel Tucker did bring in before he left was like thirty sixth, fortieth, something like that. Top fifty. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was nowhere, n- uh, nowhere of note. Um. So what? You know, what do we make of this Buffs team? And and where where are realistic expectations? Again, our Edgewater number is one and a half. Yeah, I didn't overthink this one too much. Uh. So I think that's a that's a hint as to where I'm going here. I just I think it's gonna be hard to find wins. I think now look. Like this is a this is a roster to me of starter level players in the Pac-12. I, I don't like. I think there's a lot of guys are in the, on this roster that could help a team and elsewhere. There's just not a lot of stars on this roster. There's not a lot of guys that you're sort of you, you're kind of banking on. Um, Sam Neuer, I guess, is the quarterback. You know, Jaron Mangum had some some pretty good games last year as a freshman. So did Jarek Broussard, like at, at the running back position. I, I just Carl Durrell came in after signing day. He had no spring practice to to speak of. He isn't exactly the guy that I that I envision as being like an instant turnaround coach, anyways. 
if this works, and I'm a little bit skeptical it works, then it strikes me as something that is going to take some time and some some sort of developmental years. Um, I I I didn't I didn't overthink it. I think this is an zero and six team this year given the circumstances. So I'm on the under. Yeah, it it pains me as as the Cover Threes resident Colorado fan. I, I can't disagree with that because it's like I I view Colorado this year much the same way that I view Michigan State. And it's because Michigan State kind of put Colorado in the same position that Michigan State was in that with Mark D'Antonio's, you know, late retirement, them taking Mel Tucker away after only his first season, and them having to find a coach late in the cycle, and that coach being Carl Durrell, who is frankly not a hire that I'm enthusiastic about in the slightest. That doesn't mean it can't work. It's just, it means that I, I don't expect it to. And this, everything of that situation that they're in, their third coach in three seasons, a late hire, no spring practice, no real training camp. And let's not forget with the wildfires that were in Colorado for a while too, players weren't allowed to practice because of that. So who knows what kind of preparation at all that they've had going into this season and I don't see they they could win a game. I don't see how they can win two, even in the South, where I think there's a lot of wiggle room after the top two or three programs. I just I don't know what's there that I can have confidence in to take the over here. So I love you, Colorado. I, I've loved you since you know I watched you beat Michigan on a hail mary. I loved you since I was a kid watching you guys play Nebraska on Fridays around Thanksgiving week. But this is this is going to be a bad year. I didn't know this was your baby, Tom. This was honest to God. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, first starting, like when I first got a TV in my room when I was like, you know, early teens and I started following college football, one of the very first games I watched from start to finish was that Colorado Cordell Stewart to Michael Westbrook Hail Mary over Michigan. And at the time, I was a quote unquote Notre Dame fan, although I wasn't really somebody who cared. But I was just a Notre Dame fan because I had a lot of friends who were Notre Dame fans. So, of course, I hated Michigan. So watching Colorado beat Michigan made me enjoy it. And then plus just them playing that Thanksgiving week game every week against Nebraska. And that was, you know, back then, way back in the old days when we only had one or two games on per week and you could watch. That was a game I got to watch every week. So, yeah, no, I've, I've been a Colorado. I've always had a soft spot for Colorado. Colorado used to be a pretty like easy team to just randomly pick as your favorite because they had the, the stadium is pretty cool. Oh, it's a they great have, stadium. They have like black uniforms that kind of look badass. They've a had giant buffalo running out of the field. Yeah, a giant buffalo. They've had some like dope ass names at the running back position: mm-hmm. Eric Bieniemy and Rashawn Salam. And like, mm-hmm. hey man, there's a lot of there's. I was with you. I had some Colorado fandom moments for sure. I, I would like to see that program back rolling again, but oh, see yeah. if we're a ways away. Count them up. And as we turn our attention to the Arizona Wildcats, I wanted to introduce this thought. And this was the team that I, I felt like it might fit for the most. Could Arizona be Arkansas? Could Arizona be a team that we bag, that we just chalk up as an automatic law or automatic win for everybody else and just all of these losses in a row because I I did it and I was like, I've got no wins. I've got five losses and I've got one toss up and it's at home against Colorado. 
what if Arizona is the team that just made everything easy for me trying to get everyone else's win total? And in fact, this is maybe a three and three team. Our win total is set at one and a half. I'm, I am obviously going uh, under here uh, based on the way that I'm predicting this, but could Arizona with Kevin Sumlin be the team that ends up ducking our overly negative expectations? Your overly negative expectations. Okay. We're talking about good. that over, yeah. Tom. Yeah. I, Arizona wasn't my just nail as a win for every team on the schedule. That was Colorado. I think Arizona is going to beat Colorado. I think they're in a better position than Colorado. I think they've got more stability there, and I think that they might have a more talented team at this point. So I think that's a win. There's so one. The question, so the question becomes, can you win a second game? You're not going to beat USC in Washington, not unless something crazy happens. But I've talked about my feelings on UCLA. Who the hell knows what that team's going to look like? So they can beat UCLA, Utah in the opener with all the changeover that they have, they can win that game. Arizona state, a rivalry game, crazy crap happens in rivalry games every single year. They can win that game. So I think there's one definite win on the schedule and it doesn't strike me as crazy that there could be two. That's not that I'm sitting here saying, Oh, they're going to be a good team competing for the division. I think three and three is probably the absolute limit to what they can get to, but they're going to get to two. Okay, so I, I, I'm with you, uh, Chip, on your hypothetical, and I, I, I think that's fine, Tom. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't disagree that they could get to two and two wins. Uh, this is a an offense that's probably going to be pretty good. I think Grant Gunnell was was someone even as a true freshman that probably exceeded my expectations. He's going into year two. Um, I think that like that's kind of exciting to see what they may be able to put together in offense. They've got a fleet of running backs that have some pretty good talent. They've got receivers that are that are good. Um, Jamario Joyner, um, Brian Castile. Like I think these are good players. Uh, my 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 question is is on the defensive side of the ball. So I think what I'm envisioning here is the team that, yes, like catch them at the right time. You, you, they can get you in a shootout, and, and they can beat you. Uh, and I, as I look at their schedule, uh, like UCLA, Colorado, Arizona State, maybe even Utah, like, I don't know, on a good day. Like, yeah, like all that, that all seems feasible on the right night. But defensively, they did lose – Tony Fields and uh, Colin Schooler were like, those guys were like four-year starters, basically. Um, and they both grad transferred out. Uh, they, they turned to the grad transfer market, the transfer portal, to beef up their defensive line. Uh, they got Roy Lopez and Aaron Blackwell. Those guys are from New Mexico and New Mexico State. I know nothing about them. I don't know if they're good. Maybe they dominated New Mexico and New Mexico State. Maybe they're NFL prospects. I just worry about losing probably your two best defensive players, certainly your two most active and productive at the linebacker position, and then trying to go bulk up your defensive line out of the state of New Mexico. Um, I, I've, I have concerns about the defense, and it's enough to keep me on the under here. So I am on one and five uh, under one and a half. 
Actually, I think I've even got a potentially 0 and 6. There no, no, go. no, no. I was looking at Colorado. I got a 1 and 5. So that's so Tom is in on Arizona is Arkansas. Is there a team from the Pac-12 North that I would have missed that would have been that? Because I don't think that with Oregon State or Washington State, we had that kind of feeling that they were like so far behind everyone else. Arizona felt like that I, team for me. I would say I would say Washington State could absolutely be Arkansas, especially because it's uh it's coming in with a new head coach. I actually picked them on what was he? I told y'all that I thought they would be 0 and 6. I actually wasn't paying looking at my uh, sheets. I actually had them 2 and 4. I, I actually think they hit the over based on my my previous analysis, I guess that I'd written down. And I do think that like that's a team for, for the same reason Arkansas like okay, new coach. Um I think we all agree Nick Rolovich is a good coach. Mm-hmm. Um so hey, you know, maybe maybe at Washington State can can really Mix things up. Um, so I, I, that would be my pick from the North. Maybe even yeah. on the, the conference-wide, as far as, as far as kind of like the wild card. Yeah, I, I think that Wazoo could fit that role simply just from our perception of it going into the season. But at the same time, they're coming off much better. You know, they're coming into it in a much better position than Arkansas did. So I don't sure. know if it's a true Arkansas. That's, mm-hmm. that's true. Very good point. He is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Up next, week 10 locks. Make sure to set aside some time. You might need to have two walks because guess what? The Pac-12 is in the mix now. So that means we got even more to chew on. What will the cards look like? Are we doing 8, 10? How many locks? Will somebody get to 12? We'll see. Make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash cover three. You can get all cover three episodes in video form through the CBS Sports app on your OTT device. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.